Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. Hey, you guys had shirts on when you came in here. There's something happened to him, man. <laughs> Come on, Spicoli, just put the shirts back on. You see that sign? No shirt, no shoes, no, no dice. <laughs> All right. Learn it. Know it. Live it. Yeah, we always looking for some new bitches. Say, do you dig that new wave music? You know, like the uh, Dead Rats, Banditos, Band-Aids? The Band-Aids? Have you heard their latest release? Oh, yeah, I got it right here. Bend over and listen. Ty Webb. Heavy Longmire. Gustav Mateblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. Yeah. And we're not. Okay, now you can do it. I feel like this is the proper setup for us doing a little We Are the World montage, too. No, we got the right well, Since I gave you that pop filter, that makes you feel very, uh, We Are the World. I feel like I could really hit that low end with this. You know, we I preferred the, do they know it's Christmas we after all? Yeah, I like that one YouTube. better. Oh, yeah. I had an excellent dad moment today. You know, my daughter's, in, the oldest one's in choir. Mm-hmm. I was picking her up from school yesterday, and she was telling me how they're working on their spring choir performance or something. It's a medley. She's like, you know what a medley is? <laughs> it's like, I think. Why don't you tell me, though? She said it's, you know, different songs, you know, kind of mashed together. She used mash because that's the, you know, the mashup popular thing. Yes. You know? Not the TV show. Yeah. Mashed together. In, how much does she know about Jamie Farr? Into uh into a song, you know. It's like, well, that's cool. What is it a specific topic that the medley is? She said it's a Michael Jackson medley. I was like, really? Michael Jackson? And he said, got a hard on at that I like, I've got some Michael, because I've got my jukebox in my Chrysler 200. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, I've got some Michael Jackson saved right on here. I pull it up real quick. And she Bust said, out some off the wall. She was like, really, the only song I know is Thriller. I was like, well, you got to hear Billie Jean. Let's do some deep dive, hon. And uh, so I played Billie Jean, and she's like, oh, I've heard this before. So then we skipped over to Beat It. Did yeah. she? Did she? Meh. Meh. She's like, that's pretty good. Then I went to Man in the Mirror, which is his later. Oh, it sucks ass. <laughs> that's a good song. Dude. Bust off some smooth criminal. The, uh, didn't do that when I skipped back to the guys. I could tell I was losing her on Man in the Mirror. No shit, because it sucks. She's like, yeah, I've heard that. I was like, well, this is when he was with the Jackson 5. So I put on ABC. She's like, oh, yeah. I didn't know that was him. I was like, yeah, that's him when he was a little kid. That's his brother Jermaine singing back up there. Did you ever watch <laughs> the uh, Jackson 5 cartoon? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually enjoy that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously. All right. It's pretty good. It's, it it's them doing the voices and yeah, everything and really? singing. Yeah. It's, huh. I'll check that out. It's pretty good. 
It's right up there 70s, with yeah. HR Puffin stuff. No, it's not that high caliber. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's as good as, as, good as HR Puffin. Giggle stuff. Snort Hotel. Oh yeah. man, the Giggle Snort. And no. apparently, you know, outside of Chicago where that was based, and outside of Dallas, I've never met anybody when I talk about it that knows Giggle Snort Hotel. Where that on, was that on WGN? I don't know if that's where it came from, but I know it was Chicago based. Because I hell, I was thinking all that stuff came on Channel Thirty Nine. No, it was channel on Channel Eleven. Okay. KTVT. KTVT. Where did y'all fall on Penelope Pit Stop? Oh, I was was so into Penelope Pit Stop. Uh, Although I preferred Wacky Races, which she was a part of. Right. But I would definitely watch Penelope Pit Stop because it had Paul Lynn as the bad guy. Yes. And I always liked, you know, Sigmund the Sea Monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where did y'all fall on the Great Space Coaster? I liked it. Would watch it. Yeah. It wasn't like can't miss. You got Gary Ganoos. Yeah. Yeah. Which... In one of our previous episodes, I believe... Can't prove that. We made a reference to a GNU. <laughs> and Mrs. Longmire said... I only says, know one GNU. <laughs> right. Mrs. Longmire said, you know the G's silent, right? And I was like, no, it's not. She's like, yeah, it is. Gary Anu? She said it's called Anu. I question her... I was like, it is not. On the Great Space Coaster, his name was, was Gary, Gary GNU. She's like, that was a kid show. Heavy. The G is silent. It's just new. Good news with like, Gary Ganoo. I mean, like, no, I, it's not. So she pulls dictionary up on her phone, fake which, does, news. which does the speak, uh-huh. and it says new. And I was like, well, that's, I mean, if you're a Yankee, you might right. say it like that or something, but no. We don't recognize I mean, that pronunciation. Yeah. So I Ganoo shamed her. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I could see her rolling her eyes at you as she's trying to correct you. Yeah. What about Electra Woman and Dinah Girl? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Was that the one with uh, Phyllis Diller? No, she was on no, Great uh, Space Coast. No, okay. Uh, Ruth Buzzy. Wait, no, hold on. Martha Ray was on the Bugaloos. Yeah. Okay, the Bugaloos. Yeah. And I always thought that the, the girl that Bugaloo. The yeah, Bugaloos? that was a Croft. All yeah. those are Crofts. So you had... Uh, Phyllis Diller was Great Space Coaster, right? I think so. You had H.R. Puffin stuff was Croft. Sigmund and Sea Monster was Croft. Far Out Space Nuts with Bob Denver was Croft. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, Ruth Buzzy and Jim Neighbors were on. It was something about a. It was a UFO, and I can't yes, remember the name of it. it. Was, that was good. I liked that one. And they had a, a horse dog thing. Yeah. And what was that called? I forgot. Lost Saucer. I forgot. It. Yeah. I think was what it was. You had uh, Wonder Bug. Yeah, that was good. And the black guy that was on Wonder Bug. You remember him? It was Samuel Jackson, wasn't it? wasn't Samuel Jackson, but the black guy from Wonderbug later was in porn. Was that Danzel? No. He was later in pornos, but oh. not as like a fucker. He was like just as an actor in pornos. But he never got naked. I don't think he ever That'd got naked. That'd be the naked. worst job ever. It's like, wait. Porn extra? I'm a porn extra? Yeah. I think he was in New Wave Hookers too. He thinks. Which may have had a underage uh, Tracy Lords in it. Really? Yeah. This, I may just be professing my ignorance here, which is pretty common. It's pretty much what this podcast is about, right? Yeah. Alternate title. I was watching confessing some, I think ignorance. it was one of those 80s documentaries I was watching the other night on CNN. And, you know, we're all familiar with new wave music from the early 80s. I wasn't familiar how that got its name. Are you? No. Enlighten us, Heavy. Okay. Well, when MTV came out, the only people who... At the time, were producing video, you know, already had videos ready to go. Were the British, so that 
brought in a bunch of British music. When you think about it, in a lot of the bands from the early 80s, mid 80s, I mean, it was all British music. Yeah. New wave. It was the second wave of British musicians after like the late 60s. You know, with the, you had the Stones and the Beatles. Well, this, hmm. this was never heard of them. This was the new wave. I was like, huh. I didn't know that's Did where that not came know from. That. Wow. And now you know the rest of the story. Makes sense, though. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Well, before we go too far into new wave history, this is Can You Hear Me, the podcast of three guys talking about minutiae that you probably don't care, but you still listen anyway. I'm Gustav Montebanc. I am Ty Webb. And I am the one and only master of disaster, <laughs> master of the universe, master of my own domain, <laughs> Heavy Longmire. Oh my gosh. And you can find us on Twitter. I am at Real Gustav. I am at TyWeb3000. I am at Longmire Heavy. And you can email us at CanYouHearMePod at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. All right. So we got the housekeeping out of the way. So do you have any other new wave fun facts for us? That's it. The other day, you know, my kids say stupid stuff. I love it. And we're driving along, and uh, they they know that we have a podcast, obviously, because I tell them while I'm going right. to, do too, and to I'm record, death and I don't tell it. them what it is. And right now, they think my name is Orange Joe. All right. That's not bad. Which I'm not, yeah, I'm not opposed to that. OJ. Right? But that's what they think, so, okay. and I'm letting that go. But we were driving along, and uh, one of them asked how to look something up on the internet. And then the other one says immediately asked how to find out which episode I was talking about. Because I'd mentioned something like, well, well, we talked about that on You're disclosing episode. way too much information <sighs> to your children. To my children. And the one says, I said, well, it just goes in one ear and out the other. And the other one says, yeah. And if one of my ears is clogged up, it just goes out of my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> a true Montablanc. <laughs> and then the, the middle one says, yeah, otherwise known as a fart. And then the oldest one who'd said that knowledge just goes out his butthole said, yep, basically all my farts are just not lost knowledge. <laughs> lost knowledge. Lost knowledge. So there you go. That's pretty good. That's some gold. My oldest one, a couple of years ago, we were having a good bonding uh, father-daughter moment, just talking about stuff, you know, and she's like... Did you tell her the, about New Wave? Discussing Russia. Yeah, and we talked about Michael Jackson. Adam Ant. The Thompson Twins. <laughs> and, uh, Who like, were neither Thompsons nor twins. She's like, Discuss. you know what I wish? Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> she's like, you know what I wish? I was like, what? I wish you could see farts. I was like, <laughs> it's like what? Hand me that lighter. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I wish you, that you could see farts. Like, the, the gas was a certain color, so you could tell before you walked into one. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. I was like, huh. Never really thought about that. She's like, really? You've never thought about that? And I'm like, no, I haven't. No, because as somebody that goes around crop dusting, that's the last thing you want. Right. Yeah, that would ruin your game. Yeah, that's all I got there. <laughs> that's all you got? Yeah. Well, you know, kids are kids say the darndest things. That's oh, what dude. Art Linkletter said. I think Bill Cosby said it too, didn't he? Well, Art said it first, right. and then Bill roofied him and <laughs> stole it. <laughs> I found a uh, in my thrift store record hunting i've got a bill cosby basically don't do drugs kids album that mm. i bought because nice. right now ironic if you want the bill cosby comedy albums nobody's really fighting those 
uh, fighting to get those. So really, prices are dropping. I, well, I mean, I always buy cheap ones anyway, but I run I'd, into them all the time. I snag those up. Well, those I do. Will, I've got yeah, a, I've got a decent. Again. I've got a pretty good uh, comedy record collection. Huh? When he's vindicated, is that what you're uh, going well, for? Well, I no, I like Bill Cosby. My heart was broke when I. I'm just pissed they took that. all my fat Alberts away. Yeah, that's good shit. Yeah. And that brings me to a question, and I don't know if we've talked about this off the air. What is the statute of limitations before people kind of forget the sins of a artist or creator and they just go back to appreciating the work? I think it depends on how good the work is. I think it, it depends on the level of the sins, too. Because, you know, and, and we really are in... As far as film and music and um, TV, we're in the we're too early. You know, we're at the the cutting edge of this. There are novelists. I would say, if you're 19th century, it doesn't matter what you did. If yeah. you you know, people will still appreciate your work or a painting. But when you get into the 20th century, I think that it's still too soon for that. And I don't know. Um, Trying to think, uh, HP. So are you trying to guess when Mein Kampf will be looked at from from a literature standpoint? I don't think Mein Kampf's ever going to get there. Okay, I think he's more along the Roman Polanski trail. Polanski okay. is the is the kind of the poster boy for this. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, Polanski fucked a 14 year old in what 70, 70 something, 77 or something around there, fled the country. And hasn't come back since. It's in France, right? I think that's where he's hung out most of the time. Now he's watching some TV on a sweater. Yeah. So what? And what were his movies prior to this incident? He made fucking Chinatown. Yeah. He made Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. When did Chinatown come out? Seventy four. Really? Yeah. Was it that early? Okay. Mid seventies. Yeah, it's early. It's mid seventies. Anyway, okay. a great filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Now I love Chinatown. But I don't want anybody going around fucking 14-year-olds. Right. I can watch Chinatown and appreciate it, but at the back of my mind, I'm like, well, Polanski made that. You know, we know he fucked the 14-year-old. I mean, he's never, he fled the country because of it. Right. And there's never been a trial. Well, maybe there was. Was there a trial in absentia? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Because I've always wondered with him why, hadn't, why France hadn't extradited, extradited him. him. I don't know. Because he's done films since then too. Isn't sure. It? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. He's even made post that. What he's, I can't remember. He's what made, he made some good stuff after that. He? Yeah, I think so. Y'all vampire. Look at oh, he's made a number of things since then. Well, the same. I mean, on a on a I think to a lesser extent, if you take the flip side of somebody back like Polanski, is somebody like Woody Allen. Right. That was my next. Uh, yeah, he's continued to thrive artistically. Despite what went on with him. Yeah. So, well, like I was saying, I think it, as long as you're producing, I mean, not like a producer, but as long as you're putting stuff out, good stuff, as long as you're producing good stuff, I think society tends to, I think lovers of whatever you're doing tend to turn away, much like in sports. Right. As long as Lawrence Taylor's breaking quarterback's legs... Nobody really cares how much cocaine he's doing. Right. You know, as long as Greg Hardy is, you know, playing good, nobody really cares what you do. But as soon as you quit performing at that level, that's when 
Everybody gets a lot more judgmental when you stop exactly. producing. Exactly. It's, it's always that, what have you done for me lately? Mentality. Right. Well, and I also think our societal attitude toward this has changed quite right. a bit, too. It used to be much more of, you know, that's somebody else's business. Right. And yeah, people seem to true. be, and people seem to be able to just, to separate the art from the art yeah. artist. Well, me and an acquaintance is smooth. Me and Smooth's dad had a conversation about this one time, and I can't remember who was in the news about it, but his dad took up a position of, well, who's to say, you know, what, you know, that that guy's wrong? I'm like, what are you talking about? It was, and it was a sexual, yeah, an underage person. Mm-hmm. He said, my dad was 18 when he married my mom, who was 13 or 14. Right. You know, that was like in the 40s. You yeah, know, in rural nine oh three. Yeah, he was eighteen, she was fourteen. You know, right? Started, started popping out kids, and it was like, well, you that's know, just you how start popping out kids and start farming and very coal miner's daughter. Right. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so attitudes on that have definitely changed. Yeah. I was at you know medical waiting room this week, and I heard, overheard an old lady talking about how she ran off to Oklahoma to Medill and got married when she was fourteen. Lied about her age to her seventeen-year-old yeah, husband, funny. and they they stayed together for you know like sixty years. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that was I think that was a big deal in our grandparents' time. Because I think my grandparents and some friends of theirs, I know they did. They ran off to Medill and got married in a. I think that Medill must have been like must the, have been the hot spot, like the know, Vegas of you know. The Red River, of the Red River Valley, Hobo Joe's. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck they went, but just go to the Justice of Peace up there or something. Uh, yeah, at Medill seems, you know, knowing Southern Oklahoma, it does seem a little bit far than I mean, you'd yeah. think Durham maybe. But anyway, why didn't they go to Ada, Atoka? Yeah, Antlers. I, ain't nobody could have honeymooned at Robbers Cave. Another thing, so H.P. Lovecraft, you know, he's Ooh. he's well thought of for his father of modern horror writing, but he wrote a pretty rough poem about... Uh, hot dogs? Not about hot dogs. He used some very un-PC terminology. About what? About uh, black people. Okay. And... For our... Explain who H.P. Lovecraft H.P. Lovecraft was a writer in the uh, early 20th century, wrote uh, the... He created the... Um, Cthulhu, Hulu, sorry, I never can say it right, mythos of the... If you're familiar with season one of True Detective, the Yellow King... No, the Yellow King predates Lovecraft. Didn't That didn't come from Lovecraft? No, the Yellow King comes from the late 19th century. See, I thought all that was Lovecraft. No, it's pre, uh, that predates Lovecraft. Oh, screw me. Uh, I've been reading the wrong shit. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. You're, you're all wrong about that. Um, but all the... Uh, the forgotten ones and all that stuff. So if you saw The Mist by Stephen King or read that, that's kind of has a very Lovecraftian basis there. And there's some other stuff with like uh, Hellboy has a Lovecraftian feel. But anyway, for years, everybody knew this poem existed, but everybody just kind of like, eh, just kind of ignored it. And there's a famous sci-fi horror writer uh, award that was named the Lovecraft and it had Award physically was Lovecraft's head, and somebody finally said, "Well, he wrote this poem." Was it like 
Frozen or something? No, it wasn't Frozen. What it was his actual head? It was like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, that would be the ultimate, though. <laughs> I was going to was a horror writer. You know? It was the best. And, but anyway, people finally started paying attention to this poem, which is just, you know, it's like maybe a page long. And they're like, oh, we can't. Fuck that. We're not going to have his head be the award anymore. We're going to make it a, I don't know, dolphin dick or something. But anyway, only now, only now after all these years, some people might, I don't know. There's people that buy dolphin dick dildos on the internet. People. He did in quotes there. Quote. Air quotes. Anyway, but the attitude now is, you know, like, what about Twain, you know, with freaking Huckleberry Finn? Have you handed your kid, hey, go read Huckleberry Finn? Yeah, I mean that's that's tough. I mean, and and Twain's certainly not using it as no. He's just using language of the time, right? You know, and the way I look at it is, I mean, like my grandpa. And I would, I mean, he said words that you know are not PC to you, but I mean anybody that knew my grandpa would say, I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, nobody's I mean, going to question his salt yeah. of the earth kind of guy. You know, I mean that was the the parlance uh, of his time. Yeah, I mean. He, Dude was born in 1917. You right. Know? I mean, that's, that's, I mean, so and, I don't, yeah, and there, I mean, that, that's and there's tough. a, there's a difference between what politically correct and actual criminal activity. Well, and there's like in the last, I think in the last couple of years, there's been some talk about removing, was it Jefferson? Yeah. From the currency because of, he was a slave owner. I'm like, well, yeah, that was awful. And even in his writings, he admit he acknowledges that he knows that that's awful. But he also he's one of those interesting to me. He's probably the most interesting of the founding fathers that I know about. That uh, in that dichotomy that he he knows it's wrong, but he also knows that his livelihood depends on that. right. Yeah, and not to in you know and not to say it's right, but he's like you know this is going to be the turning point of the country, you know for the country of what do we do with the matter of slavery. It is wrong, but our economy, the Southern economy, is based on it. Right. So what do we do? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 I think that society has gotten very overly analytic and overly judgmental because everybody's putting, for stuff like that, everybody looks at it from 21st century eyes. Exactly. And, you know, you can't do that. You have to let, you have to let, Sends the past go and move forward with what today. Well, that I've in saying that what's interesting to me in the last few years, if you heard people, you know, with the the whole with all the gay rights things that have come about and like you know marriage equality and all that, and the politicians that do oppose it, and this one thing that gets thrown around all the time, you know, on the ones who are pro. Is you know history will sh- or it'll be shown that we'll be on the right side of history you know as far as right right and they equated the civil rights times in the, of the fifties and early sixties and to me that's an interesting I mean because people who make religious who state their beliefs are based on religion about homosexuals you know the same people did the things made that same argument about segregation and about that kind of stuff sure. so it's to me, it will be interesting to see eighty years from now how history does look back All right. on that kind of stuff, and and like you said, it has to be seen through the lens of when it happened. Right, that uh, right side of history thing always irks me. That phrase, yeah, 
I mean, it's because to me, you should be able. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's what's right and wrong in the 21st century. I would like to think. I mean, right and wrong is the same in the 21st century as it was right. in the 1800s. You know, but is yeah, it? is it? Well, it depends. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what your source of right and wrong is. Because right. to a certain extent, if you accept that right and wrong is a social construct, then that does change over time. Mm-hmm. If people's mores of a certain culture mm-hmm. or social group, if that progresses one way or the other, then what is, quote, right or wrong or, quote, normal or abnormal is fluid. Right. It changes. So it depends. Like, do you see right or wrong as something that is um, static and that emanates from something that's not just a cultural construct, like from a god or from something like that. Right. Or if it's just purely a social construct, then it it is allowed to be fluid. Right. Because it's just it's sort of the will of the people at that point. Mm-hmm. But where you get, I think where you get into, you know, for those that see it just purely as a social construct, then you also have to be careful about majority rule. Absolutely. Can get you into a very. Oh, I mean, that's absolutely. why we don't. I mean. That's why we don't just let majority rule in states' rights. Yeah. You know, for so long, or we would have had slavery that exactly. would have been legal I mean, in states that passed it. And I the mean, argument would have been like, look, it's yeah, the will of the people. That's why, yeah. And that's why we don't have a true democracy because, uh, you know, the republic is geared towards federalism. Federalism is making sure that mob rule doesn't happen. Right. I mean, yeah. And that's when you delve into. Yeah, the whole argument with states' rights things, that's... Well, you have to... I mean, it. there has to be... There has to be some. There has to be a balance. And that yes. that was the original intent. If you right. read the Federalist Papers, it was to be balanced. It was to make sure that the... And, you know, I'm a small government type, so that was the intent. I don't know that, you know... I don't think they could have imagined how bad... How big it got. No, I don't think that... I mean, it was certainly scalable what they created, but I don't think they envision, would have ever thought... Well, no, that, I mean, shit, who could? Yeah, no, I mean... I mean, th- I mean just technology-wise and everything else, I mean, but you look back at, you know, even now you hear politicians, you know, boistering states' rights and stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, we, we've fought over that before, you know, we call it the Civil War. Right. And that only goes so far. And... Well, there's a yeah, constant I mean, tension like you, there between states' rights and the republic. Right. That, you're right. And, and, and there like ha- Gustav is, says, there, you know, there has to be that balance. And our, thankfully, our government is set up to where pretty much all the time there's a pretty damn good balance. I mean, nothing, nothing happens quick in federal right. government. And it's made like that for a reason. Now, like know? right now, I see a problem with where states' rights should come into play and that's with marijuana legalization sessions coming out and being a you know an anti stance on the state legalization i think that's trampling on states rights yeah i mean i mean i completely agree with that but it would also be where is that balance right yeah it's how can you what can you say okay oklahoma you know your neighbor to the west colorado they allow you know, recreational use of marijuana, recreational sale of marijuana. Right. And Oklahoma says, okay, well, you know, on the basis of states' rights. So Oklahoma says, okay, well, on the basis of states' rights, we're going to enact, you know, some of the uh, marriage equality or marriage, what do they phrase it as? Uh, 
marriage protection mm-hmm. rights or stuff like that. Yeah. So then you have this, where's, when does it trample on civil rights? Right. And when, right. So I, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's to, to pick and choose creates yeah. a conundrum because. Well, okay. Well, answer me this as a, and this, I mean, I think pretty much ever, I mean, I know y'all know, and I think the listeners know, I mean, I'm, I'm the liberal of the three of us. Say a business owner who owns a restaurant, if they do not want to serve a gay person, that are they breaking a law? Do you mean legally or morally? Legally. See, that's I don't. Their, to me, that's their choice. Yeah, they that, can do that. I, if even to the same way, and it was like this even in the early eighties, uh-huh. in some towns close to where we grew up, did not serve black people. Right, and and that's where that's one of those things like and. And the black people knew it, so they didn't. They didn't go. go. Yeah, I, and they I, didn't go to the town. They didn't. Right. You know, I, I. That's one of those things. It's like, and we've all seen signs that say we refu- we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Right. Now, I don't think those. That's <laughs> that legally that's binding? legally binding. But it questions what if what, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Because you could say, well, like you mentioned earlier, there's no doubt some people used the religious a- angle to reinforce uh, segregation. Mm-hmm. But what about if somebody stinks? Right. Or somebody's not wearing a shirt. Or not wearing a shirt. Where Or somebody's a female. I'm certainly not advocating any of it, but where is the line? Yeah. And at, at what point what point down the uh, hierarchy of identity does it become okay to say, we're not going to serve you because you didn't come in wearing shoes. Or we're not going to serve you because you stink. And I'm being, you know, I'm right. going to extreme to point out. I don't know where li- morally it becomes. Well, I'm not even thinking morally. I'm, I mean, seriously, I'm asking the question: if, if you owned a restaurant in down the street here, and you made up your mind that you were not going to serve Pakistanis, right? Could you do that? Is that legal? See, I don't know. JJ, get back to us because this is something that's near and dear to JJ's heart. Yeah, he's, he's a- I mean, because to me. You're a private business. Right. Yeah. You're not taking any federal money. You're not taking any state money. You're not, I mean, it's just No, I mean, I mean, I think a private business retains the right to choose who they serve and don't. Yeah, I think they and do. I, think they, I have, think they do, but at I mean, the same time, I know that places have, states have gone after, like, there, there was uh, the bakery, I think, in Oregon that wouldn't make a gay wedding cake. Right. And they got... Sued. Well, I think it's more of a shaming nowadays than it is. Did they get sued? Yeah, they got sued by the state. Okay. I mean, I think you'd be more. Now, I don't know Oregon law by any means. Right. I think you'd be more vulnerable to civil action than criminal action for something like that. Right. But still. Well, even in civil court. That's still legal. Yeah. Um, I know that it also. and, And you may be hampering somebody's civil rights. But you're not a government. Right. Right. You're not a political identity. Yeah. Right. A and, government identity. I mean, I, I so it doesn't the, matter. I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, 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 I think from a very simplistic legal view, which is the best that we can do, mm-hmm. that's how it should be. Because if, if you are racist or homophobic or whatever, and you choose not to serve a population, I would think that that would get out and... There's going to be a punitive action based on your actions that people are going to not yeah. use you. I mean, from a true, you know, American business sense, it makes no sense to be like that. Right. 
because that's bad press. And so, well, unless uh, unless you're carving out a niche of people who want that kind of establishment, well, right, and would choose to go there over one that wasn't in that, that or that place, was more you should inclusive. open up shop in northern Idaho or something like that. A hotbed for yes. militia extremism and white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, so that's I've always wondered that. I, I I have too, and that's one of those things. I know that 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 bakery in Oregon got. I, I want to say the state came after them hmm. because which that might be a state thing, and it may be. But then that that in itself to me would be, and then we'll get back to states' rights. They can make that law, but I know that you can get in trouble for discriminating for um, if you're you know a land a lord, you can be discriminated for. Yeah, that's you can true. Get into that with the feds. So and. From my libertarian standpoint, that's bullshit. Because, like you said, if that's your property, you can sell it. Or yeah, I mean, if I say I don't want to serve blonde-headed people, it doesn't necessarily make good sense. Exactly. But if that's what that's you want to do, but yeah. So I, so I don't know. I don't know what the laws are. I don't I mean, either. I think that they're you can't do that. Right. But I don't understand necessarily why. Right. I, I don't understand how they got to that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have. That has to be it, because think of when our parents were kids in the late 50s, early 60s, during segregation, not even segregation of schools or anything like that. Right. Restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the blacks have to come to the back door and you can right. go back back there. We'll serve you, but you can't come through the front. Right. I mean, those were private businesses that chose to do that. And I mean, nobody still does that outside of that one town I was talking about earlier. And I don't know if that was legal or if. Like you said, that was a shaming thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And that's one of those things. We need Van Jones. To yeah, I don't think we need him. him. No, I don't think I so. I like Van Jones. See if we can Skype him in next time. Okay. Yeah, y'all figure out how to do a mix minus with the equipment, and we'll do that. <laughs> okay. Okay? Y'all watch some videos on YouTube. All right, sorry to dig us into some, some heavy shit, but we got some emails. How the hell did we even get on that? I don't know. I have no idea. Those are interesting topics, though. Yeah, and it's, you know, like I, I am, you know, I think that that bothered me. And I, if I remember that case about Oregon, it wasn't that they wouldn't serve them. Like, they would do business with them. They just refused to make a gay wedding cake because yeah. that was against their view of marriage from a religious standpoint. Yeah. And it was the, like, we'll still make you a cake. We're just not going to make a gay cake. All right, so you meant to tell you what Google says about this? Yes, tell Just me. in general? And I think this is where some of this falls under, the where the, the Federal Civil Rights Act of 64, mm. it applies to, it still applies to private-owned practices if they're serving public accommodation. Okay. So I think that's where you're going to get restaurants gotcha. and that kind of okay. thing. Gotcha. But like a private club. Which, you know, there's no doubt, are... That's when that I mean, you came, can't that's force, when the private club became popular. Right. And I you think. can't force No, I think that was cuz they were keeping out they were keeping out lots of people before that. Trash back then. They were keeping out, you know, and, and like you get uh I know there's not a huge Jewish population in Texas, but I know back east there were lots of country clubs where there were no Jews allowed, okay. and that was way before that. I mean, it was just a way to Okay. There's still some country clubs in the DF dub where no women. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I think that's... They can go to eat, but they can't get on the course. Yeah. Yeah. Some are just completely exclusive. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't imagine paying for a country club. That's just, it's... That's... Especially for the price of it. That just, it's... 
that's a different world than we live in. Yeah. Well, a different world than you and I live in. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, America. (laughs) Hello, hello. All right. We have an email from one Toledo. Telly. Oh, telltale. Howdy, mighty men of the north. Today I was visiting family, and my uncle informed me that he has some gates that my great-grandpa built, and if anything happens to him, I'm supposed to save them and keep them in the family. Then my dad told me that his cousin wants to talk to me about giving me some family guns, his gun collection, and maybe some land because he doesn't have any kids or nieces or nephews. It's kind of freaking me out. We've had some family tragedies in the past couple of years, and now everyone seems obsessed with who gets what. I'm the last Stevens man in my generation, meaning my son is the only and last, so it's all up to us to keep everything safe. Do y'all have any interesting family heirlooms that you're in charge of keeping in the family? Have y'all gone through the process of making sure the ones you have will get in the right hands? I'm not looking forward to having to go through it, but I understand why it's necessary in today's world. Love your buns. Toledo, official wedding, wedding caterer of Ty. Hey, that's an excellent email. All right, so you said you've got some family heirlooms there, Heavy, that you've got some treasures, yes. you put it? Yes. When I was a young lad, it was made very clear to me by my grandpa, my dad's dad. Okay. He had, in which he was not an outdoorsman, he wasn't a hunter or anything like right. that. There was one gun in the house. It was a pistol that was his great-grandfather's who... Is who this going to be a Christopher Walken watch story? It's not hard quite. to put a pistol up your ass. Not quite. So I've told. But uh, <laughs> no, it was his granddad's, and it was it was his great grandfather's, who was a sheriff in Nottingham, Claiborne County, Tennessee. Oh, back before the family came to Texas. This was in the eighteen eighties. How was the wind blowing that day? I do not know. So anyway, the pistol had been handed down, you know, through the years. Which I mean, my grandpa had. Four sons that he could have right. passed this to, but he wanted it to go to me. So I, this was the pistol I brought out to your dad's mm-hmm. place because I really wanted to shoot it. Right. I did a lot of research trying to figure out exactly what it was. The Smith and Wesson, I think it's called the Frontiersman or something like that. Uh, black powder, I believe, is what not black powder. Well, it was, uh, it was before smoke. Was it powder. was made during when they still use black powder, so it's not safe to use hot smokeless yeah. loads. Which uh. Yeah, your dad talked me out of trying to right. make something to to make a bullet to fire out of it. So anyway, I have that in my possession. And how do you have you had it dated, or do you know how old it I've is? I've ran the serial numbers, and it's from it was made in eighteen seventy eight, I believe. Okay, which I don't have sons, right? And I am, which this grandfather he was not he was not a Longmire, uh, so it you know came through. Some women's hands down <laughs> through the line, but uh, you know, I've wondered. You know, do I do I pass that? Because I am the last Mohican. You're the last true Longmire. There. I'm the last heterosexual Longmire. Right. Uh, well, brother Longmire might adopt some uh, from from my grandfather's branch, and uh, all my cousins are females. Right. All that, and I only have daughters. So it's like, well, do I give it to my only nephew? No. Can't do that. No, no, can't do that. You know, you could, you couldn't trust it to the Montblancs, and it'll be kept nice and safe and the uh, put into warm, the cozy, cozy safe. Put into the, the armory. The uh, so yeah, that's you know, 
Every once in a while, I pull that thing out because I and he and he goes pew 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 yeah, pew 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 <laughs> stand in front of the mirror, quick drawing with it and stuff, and uh, wearing nothing but a holster. Just you know, in I, town for supplies, partner. <laughs> you know, because I mean, all three of us are kind of history buffs and look at you know enjoy that kind of stuff, and it's fun just to look at old stuff and, yeah. one, and wonder. Oh yeah, what I mean, like every time I'm at it, uh, Father Monteblanc's, and he starts. Pulling stuff, you know, old weaponry out from, especially like World War Two stuff. You're like, you wonder how many people have died from the. Yeah, other you're like, that. man, what's this gun? Right, where's done? where's it been? And what's yeah. it, what's it done? What's it? Who's held it? That kind of stuff. I mean, I do the same thing. I collect old coins. Yeah, you know, it's fun just looking at. I mean, you hold a coin from that was pressed in 1882 or something right. like that, and you're like, damn. You know, it's pressed in Philadelphia. How the shit did it make it to Northeast Texas? You know, in a hobo's bindle. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, that kind of stuff's neat. Then on my mother's side, I have some stuff from uh, which her dad, my grandfather on that side, he died when I was two, so I didn't really right. I mean, I've got have a few memories of him, but not much. And uh, I have just you know like some ranching heirlooms from him that I've you know have just found yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in old barns and stuff like that and uh, stuff that my you know other family members didn't pilfer so that stuff's kind of you know that's right that stuff's yeah. cool old brandon irons and that kind of stuff yeah any of that stuff toledo that that you can get do get it and actually me and my siblings we got to talking years ago when uh because my mom's always been big into antiques and uh some are family antiques passed down. Some, you know, she's just picked up along the way. When we've talked about, okay, what's what's going to happen to all this stuff when they go? We're like, okay, we need to start divvying up. Mm-hmm. We need to we make need a to plan. Start, we need to start divvying stuff. We'll do, we'll put colored tags on stuff. So that way when, we'll, hell, my sister made that decision when none of us were there and she freaking tagged everything. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> and, uh, you know, playfully. But uh, sure. luckily with my mom's side of the family, We've seen what yeah that didn't go what yeah bitter family falling outs can be like and the three of us especially over land mm-hmm. that's the main yeah. thing yeah is when land's involved and uh, I mean my mom has two sisters that she hadn't spoke to in fifteen years right so me and my siblings are you know aware of the yeah we're like trap we're not gonna let that shit you know it's just stuff when it boils right. down stuff's cool right. But it's just, uh, it's like I was over at my sister's house a couple of years ago. She lives in Fort Worth. I was doing something at the sink. I looked up, you know, the sink. There's a window, looked out into the backyard. And there's this little wooden box with a old-timey round dog tag sitting in the box. And I picked it up, and it was a, had a serial number on it. And the last name of a, uh, you know, a family last name. Mm-hmm. Not our last name, but I knew it was a family. I was like, where did you get this? What is this? She's like, oh, Grandma gave that to me. I was like, whose is it? I think it was her brother's or uncle's or something like that. I was like, what did she give it to you for? I asked for it. I was like, I've never seen this. And right. It was one of my grandmother's older brothers who was in World War One, and it was his dog tag. I took a picture of it. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's... Uh, did you steal it? No, I didn't say about it. I took a picture and did some... Re- she knew nothing about right. it. Right. You know? I think you... I was like, what war was it in? She's like, I don't know. Yeah, you need to steal that. And, Just uh, go take it. So I took a picture of it, which my grandmother, she had like 13 brothers and sisters, and they all just kind of separated to the wind. Right. You know? And uh, he was a cook 
on a ship in World War One. He, I don't even know, I can't remember what year he died, but he's buried at Sam Houston State Cemetery. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah? Down in uh, San Antonio. And, uh, Maybe uh, Tom can look him up when he yeah. goes on vacation. Yet another reason and, uh, to go down there. I think it was my grandma's oldest brother. And, uh, he didn't die in the war. He, right. You know, died afterwards. It was one of her brothers that was also in Korea that came back with the weird skin disease. Oh, nobody yeah, that nobody let him sit on the, the couch. <laughs> yeah, they'd cover the furniture he when had he came the, over. He had the yeah. single chair that he got to yeah, sit on. Like, yeah, I don't know what the hell Uncle Joe's got, but y'all stay away from him. <laughs> you know. Commandeer just, that just chair. Just throw his plate away when he finishes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the good china. I don't care. Throw it away. So, yeah, family heirlooms are cool. How about you, Ty? Well, we had, um, as y'all know, on my dad's side... My dad's parents, their house was mm-hmm. on the same piece of land as our house mm-hmm. growing up. And once they passed away, which my grandmother passed away when I was in junior high. Really? Um, was it that long ago? Mm-hmm. And hmm. then my uh, grandfather didn't pass away until I was in college. But then after he passed away, the family decided to keep that house up. And it became like a, you know, a meeting place. You know, we do all our family get-togethers, you know, that kind of thing up there. We kind of made it into a, you know, an homage to the Webb family and put yeah. up, a, you know, kind of kept it the way they lived in it and then put up a bunch of family pictures and all that kind of stuff. Well, the family decided to sell that place just a couple of years ago because we'd had other family members that had kind of used it as an off, a home office and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, so it was still in the family. But when we decided to sell it, you know, we basically got this house full of stuff now. And luckily, for the most part, there wasn't a lot of, you know, fighting over stuff or that kind of thing. But what we did was we scheduled like a weekend to where it was everybody that wants stuff out of there can come up there and decide what you want and you can just take what you want, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And it was pretty cool. I mean, I did get a lot of stuff out of there that I've got either up in my house or packed away, you know, that kind of thing. Did you get any of his old uh, work artifacts? Yes, a bunch of that stuff. Okay. A bunch of that stuff, a lot of which, or some of which I've got, like, displayed. Yeah. But, I mean, and that was the kind of stuff that was, and that's always the easiest stuff to get to, is stuff that nobody else really, either there's a lot of, so Mm -hmm. you can split it up of the same kind of stuff. Or kind of finding a little niche of stuff that yeah. right. you're interested in and nobody else really cares about. But there was some really cool stuff that my dad took that he's got, some of which is on display now at his house. But some of the stuff that was really cool, too, was like we found all these old letters oh. from like from my grandfather to my grandmother and back and forth. That's why I don't write letters. That I got yeah. to think. I mean, that kind of stuff's cool. Like, it's so it's cool. So cool. But then we like we also found stuff that I don't know how they. I mean, I guess they just kept it from when they were kids. Like I like an old journal of my grandmother's that she mm-hmm. kept, like when she was a kid. Yeah. So it's I mean the dates on this stuff, right? You know, and that like they're it's fascinating to look to it like their their vernacular, their penmanship. No, the penmanship, penmanship was, is really cool. Yeah, we we suck. I, I mean, I just I mean I'm a geek for any of that super right. old stuff. But yeah, that so that was cool. We got to go through and pick through a bunch of that old stuff, and then to me, the personal things, especially us. letters, journals, that kind of stuff, it's cool from a history standpoint to look 
especially when it's family. To yeah. Look back at that when when my parents built their house in the late nineties, and uh, we moved out of the other house which we'd been in for damn near twenty years, uh, or they'd been in. I was already moved and gone, but there was a bunch of stuff that my mom had in storage that was hers from when she was a kid, and it just got put in boxes up in the attic. Well, a few years ago, my sister got to digging around in the new house, looking through a bunch of this old stuff with my mom. Right. She came across my mom's journal, a diary, mm-hmm. from yeah. high school. It was, you know, kind of had the lock on it and all that stuff. Well, she shows it to mom. She's like, do you want this? Mom's like, no, I don't want it. Just, you know, throw it away. She's like, can I have it? You know? Yeah. It's like. Right. Mom's like, what are you going to do with it? She's like, well, I don't know. I mean, it was yours when you were, you know, I'd like to have it. Like you, yeah, you can have it. Don't ask me any questions. I'd be like, you need to burn that motherfucker <laughs> right now. And it it was insightful, and it was uh, yeah. And I and I think about that now because I'm a I'm kind of like I you know I'll have stuff that I'll pass down, but as far as my way of thinking, uh-huh. there's nothing I try to leave. Oh. I'm about to say, I would say we are, we are not doing a very good job of what you're proposing you know, as here. far as written word. Don't memorialize any of this stuff I'm thinking. Right. Except on this recording so, that we do. Here's here's and one. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, I know. I don't like leaving because if you were found like Would you like I, to old, have your musings from the you, early nineties? Yeah, old stuff that you've written from like ten years ago yeah, and you're I, like, God, no, damn, well what I told you idiot. I think I mentioned it because y'all wanted the the copies of them. My dad was cleaning out stuff and found a yellow notepad full of my scribbles. And I think on something, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is yours. I don't know if he read it or not. It had some letter to some girl that never got sent. I was like, fuck, we're destroying this right now. (laughs) You know, it wasn't anything like, it wasn't anything. Yeah. But it was certainly embarrassing to read. Holy shit, I wrote that? Good Lord. You know? So, yeah, I I get what you're saying. We are... uh, not doing a good job of protecting our legacy here since it's stacking up. We're at a year's worth. Well, you I mean, know, but these are the stories I would want people to know rather yes. than actual truth. Right. Truth. Truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Half we, of this is bullshit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're pretty honest for three anonymous people. Yeah. Uh, we've got. Which this. Yeah. Y'all have got tons of stuff that are so cool. Yeah, like walking into a museum. You know, it, antiques have always been a a big thing, and my grandparents they all had, or my the Monteblanc side they were very oriented in the past and preserving things. Not so much the the non Monteblanc side, although my mom has worked hard to you know, identify people in all the pictures and everything. She's yeah. really worked with my grandmother over I've the last few years. She's put online that's yeah, she's worked you know, she's really tried to do that. Now pretty hard at that. Part of the the family itself, they were all dirt for poor farmers. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's not a lot of physical good stuff from them. There's there's cool stuff. There'll be right. like a journal from my great grandfather Monteblanc that shows every cent or every dollar he spent in 1929, wow. you know, yeah. and cool. it's not a very long list. Yeah. And it's how much they borrowed from the bank and how much he got paid for the cotton and started over, you know, stuff like that. How much and they paid for flour and sugar. Yes. And, and 
and how much they spent on the doctor for my grandmother being sick or, or my great grandmother. Can you imagine tracking every freaking penny like that back mm. then? At, Not well, a whole lot of pennies to track. There weren't yeah. a lot, and you know, it's like I said, this was a a little notepad, and it yeah, it's pretty, but it's shocking compared to all the money we throw around now. Um, as far as important things, though, I guess the the crown jewel is we've got a Colt single action army revolver from the first generation that's been in the family since it was, I don't know, since the eighteen hundreds. Um, my grandfather had it reblued in the fifties. Which mm. destroyed its value, yeah. As far as collector, but it's still worth a lot. But it's not as much as it would have been. I don't know. My dad was the only child, so there was no problem there. I don't know between me and my brother. We haven't discussed that. Yeah, you know that stuff. Be a tough can, one. It can get sticky. Now the the sticking point though is he only has a daughter who is not gun oriented. Yeah. So that, that may be... You're going to have some leverage there. I think from just a... And he and I are amical about this stuff. Right. And it like the land, I mean, if he wants to stay there and keep it, that's fine. Right. You know, as far as that goes. So I'm not as... You can probably leverage that. Probably. Take the land, I'll take the guns. Right. Well, not the guns. It, the guns <laughs> will be divvied up. Now, what makes it fuzzier is my dad and I have bought stuff together. Yeah. So there's some of that. I'm like, well... Fuck you, I get all that. Anything that I've already got a stake in, it's mine yeah. type thing. But that one pistol, and I got enough guns, but it'll be divvied up, and I don't see a problem with that. Um, to me, guns are the are the cool things that get handed down. Oh, yeah. I've got another good gun story besides that pistol I've got. My dad has a, I don't even know if I've ever showed this to you. It's a pump action 22, sh- it's a gallery gun. Right. That's what it is. It's 22 short. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's missing some pieces to it. Okay. And he found it when his aunt, no, when his grandmother died in the little town east of where we grew up. Right. And they were cleaning out her house. And I think you told me about this. Which part, this was uh, my grandpa's side of the family, which he had a you know ton of brothers and sisters. About three of them left northeast Texas and went out to West Texas in the early 40s mm. and, uh, to, to start farming out there yeah. instead of Northeast Texas. Well, uh, so there was a branch out, so that there, even now there's a branch out there. And uh, well, when my dad's grandma died, they were cleaning out her house. This was in the 70s. Up in one of the bedroom closets behind a bunch of boxes and all kinds of stuff, they found this rifle, this 22 it was disassembled hmm. it was just laying the pieces were laying back there but it didn't have all the pieces yeah like what in the shit is this you know she'd never you know and my dad's grandpa had been dead for years they're like where you know whose gun is this and they couldn't figure out where it had come from and then they asked one of my grandfather's or my grandfather wouldn't my dad said he could tell that my grandpa knew something about it but wasn't giving anything up sort of family funeral a year or so later they mention it to one of the west texas kinfolks and that kinfolk told them said you remember cousin so-and-so like yeah the one that he was kind of a rounder evidently in the 50s somewhere out in west texas he had shot a guy just for snoring at a poker they're playing poker playing pool something like that he shot a guy got thrown in jail they had the gun Sheriff's Department had, or the police department had the gun. I guess probably sheriff back there and probably wasn't a local police right. department. It's a little town. 
Well, the uh, the gun disappeared from the evidence room. Yeah. And he ended up getting off. Getting free? Because there was no, this is very 1950s West yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah. There was no weapon. I didn't have a gun. What are you talking about? I didn't, you know. They think this was the gun, according to this cousin from or this relative from West Texas, that's the gun that he oh, shot him yeah. with. And somehow it made it 300 miles back to northeast Texas and got stashed in grandma's hmm. closet. Huh. Interesting. And uh, so my dad has that gun. And I've, I've looked up parts for it to be really yeah. easy and not much to put back together. And uh, so I'm going to do that one of these All times. right. So we, got a, we got a gallery gun. Uh, that's an awesome. That's it's almost exactly yeah. a pump. Yeah, it's a little exactly pump. Like a, I think it's a, probably a Winchester. Okay, yeah, it is a Winchester. Yeah, now we can get it running. Cool little gun. I bet we can get it running. Has what really gave it away? It has their last name initial carved in. The, oh, really? Carved in the butt. It's kind of hard to uh, cool. car, carved in the stock. Right. Yeah. Kind of hard to deny. Uh, yeah, that's not ownership. mine. No. <laughs> I never I seen. I that. don't. Know, I don't know who these Longmire people are. That's the other. That's one of the other Longmires. Well, uh, we are at an hour five. Okay. We done. We done. So uh, take all you can get, Toledo. Keep the heritage. Um, be sure to teach. Just do your, it fairly. Do it fairly, and but teach your son when he's big enough. I realize he's not that big right now, but teach him. You know what these things are, because you know. That's what I grew up with was that past and knowing about it. Because I started oiling that that colt when I was a kid. My grandfather told me about it and everything. And so that's a bond that you can create between your kids, and they uh, they'll pass that on. Just remember though that there's not there's not one single heirloom that's worth destroying a relationship. Oh, I agree no, about that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, at all. Like if if it came down to it, and my brother just adamantly. I'd be okay. Okay, take it. Because, like Heavy was saying, it's in the end, it's it's just stuff that's going to be passed True. down later yeah. on yeah. and later on. Yeah. I mean, you know, and what blows me away is how have you ever? I'm sure you have because it's. I mean, I've encountered a lot of them. People that know absolutely nothing about their family history. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, well, sometimes well, that's sometimes sometimes that's on purpose, right? And but like you know, where did your grandparents grow up? I don't know. They were from. Well, some people have no interest in it. Yeah, true. I mean, it's just... They're they're from Indiana. What'd they do? I don't know. Right. You know, my dad moved down here in the '60s. I don't. I don't know. I saw yeah. my grandparents once or twice a year. And that's another thing. We grew up with our grandparents. Yeah. And, yeah. and in my, you know, my case, my great grandparents yeah. actively. And so that was one of those things. Like I'm riding around in a truck with them. That's these are yeah. real people, yeah. and they would tell me stories. They and were stuff. part of so, raising us, right? So it was a. In the, I know in the outside world, like you said, grandparents are hundreds of miles away or passed away, and they're just a, if not an active part of your life, they're just a memory. Yeah. So that's a change. All right, this wasn't our funniest episode ever, and you'd have to have a pretty warped sense of humor for it to be. Well, hopefully it was inspiring. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully somebody takes something away from it. Well, you can email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com, and as always, find us on Twitter, and we will talk back at you. So I guess uh, we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. Oh, wait a second. Not bye? Not bye. I forgot. A few weeks ago, we had an episode where we misidentified Clay's new podcast as Hold On, and it being about Wilson Phillips. (laughs) 
and we need to correct. The, he's not doing a Wilson Phillips He's not doing podcast. a Wilson Phillips well, podcast. Well, he should consider what it. Although, shit? that may be coming on the Blowout Podcast Network soon. I'm not sure. But it's, his it's new podcast is called I'd listen. Hold Up, and it features artists primarily from around the Denton area. And uh, if that's Centromatic. I can't remember if he's had Will on there or not. I know he had the guy from Brave Combo, and that was really? a really good episode. Huh. Uh, really interesting. God, they're, they're, those dudes have been doing that forever. For, and and he talks as long about. As I can remember. Oh, well, before we were born, this guy started that. Really? So he talks, or, or at least when we were little. So he talks all about that. It's pretty interesting to hear the different artists, uh, like David Byrne from Talking Heads and stuff that he's interacted with. That's cool. There's a lot of. There's a lot of brave combo fans in the music industry. And I imagine they're one of those, yeah, just kind of cult. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I apologize, uh, but feel free, Clay, if you want to have a Wilson Phillips podcast, we will support you and we will tell people to listen to that. So, all right, now we're done. Talk to you later. Adios. Bye. And now for something really GNU, here's Gary GNU. <laughs> Gary Gnu, and the no Gnu's is good Gnu show. The only TV Gnu's program guaranteed to contain no Gnu's whatsoever. And world-class championship wrestling, I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Saldy. Good night from Dallas, Texas.